We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Steve Graham, recorded at Equippers Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com. It's great to be here in Dunedin. Um, saw this guy playing rugby yesterday. Like, I've discovered the secret of southern men, like who builds a rugby field next to the kind of southern ocean with winds off Antarctica blowing up your shorts. But uh, now I know where it comes from, so... Uh, I could only survive 30 minutes standing on the sideline, let alone out there, so well done. Hey, um, so you guys have been doing this Insight from the Inside Out series are here, uh, looking at, um, it's an interesting background, I don't know if you know, uh, it kind of came past the Monk in Auckland, he's thinking, or he's kind of, can feel like the last few years he's been thinking like, how come some people just, it doesn't kind of land for people, how come it doesn't take off for people, and thinking about stuff, and so he's gone, he, he said he went back, and he realized, he's early 40s now, went back, he read this book when he was about 18 by Bill Hybels called uh, Who You Are When No One's Looking, and I don't know about you, when I hear that title, it's kind of like, oh, it's all the embarrassing things, and so it's quite interesting when you look at the topics, they're kind of not what I expected, uh, but, but Pastor Sam Monk was like, actually looking back over kind of 20 plus years of ministry, these are the things that really formed me and made me who I am. And the idea that then God works from that inside out, uh, but, but who I am when no one's looking is not really about putting that finger on dark issues of sin and stuff. It's about what you carry on the inside that's not around what other people have to keep putting on you or stirring up, but you carry it on the inside out. So things like courage uh, and discipline and endurance and vision. And it's like, for me, that was the penny drop. Like, oh, that, that's what's important, focusing on. Do I carry them on the inside out? Is that who, who I am when no one's looking? That I carry this courage. I carry this vision. I carry this endurance. I, that's who I am. It's not that someone else has to kind of stir it up in my, lives, in, in my life. And, and for me, the one that really struck me as kind of, wow, a completely different way of thinking was vision. Which when I thought about it, I was like, well, of course, because that means it's not like Pastor Will or someone has to keep, come on, come on, you got to do this, come on, this is for you. It's like it burns on the inside of me. It's what gets me out of bed because I carry a vision. I've seen something in God that I'm going for, and it's like no one has to kind of, that's who I am when no one's looking. I'm not faking it, and no one else has to pressure me to do it. And so realizing God wants us to carry vision. And uh, Pastor Sam has talked about, you know, vision is not, often we in management stuff, we learn, oh, vision statements and what, vision is not a little gimmicky tool, vision is a spirit, and, and it's either caught us, uh, and we're caught up in something that I can't let go of, or we haven't got it. You can, you can write a nice vision statement for your life, and it's irrelevant, but when you've seen something in God, when it's gripped your heart... That's who you are when no one's looking. And so, so that's what I want to talk a bit uh, about today, this topic of vision. And, and I think it's particularly relevant because I don't know how, how you feel, but I just it feels like we live in times when it's easy to lose vision. If vision is this kind of confident, I've seen something out there that's going to happen and we're moving towards it, I'm confident, I have this expectation and the hope. I don't know about you, but we live in times when it's easy to start feeling like it's a big, scary place out there. I don't know about you, we're not growing up for me. Places like, you know, London or Paris or New York were kind of these romantic places and you kind of dream of going visiting. Now it's like, oh, there are places where terrorist stuff happens and they're scary and there's a scary world out there. 
I don't know, is that, maybe it's just me who feels a bit like that. And the politics with Brexit and USA and stuff, it's easy to feel like it's a big scary place out there. So I'll just pull back into my little world and I'll stay safe in here. And, and even in New Zealand, it's like, it's easy to feel like, oh man, changes in laws and politics, this is no longer, it doesn't feel like this is my space that represents who I am, and it, like the world, it's, I don't know what's happening, I don't understand these, some of these things, I'll just pull back into my little world, and I'll kind of batten down the hatches, and I'll just hunker down in this world, and, and so, you know, then and you add on Auckland housing, and earthquakes, and Christchurch, and fires, it's just like, it just kind of sucks the life out of you, and you end up just like, I'm just going to survive. And, and I came across a video clip a few weeks ago by an American preacher, Andy Stanley. It's just a three-minute clip I'm going to show you in a minute, where he challenges that thinking. And, and, I, and I found it really powerful. Some of, some of it relates more to the American context, but I want you to look at this and just and listen to what he has to say. Now, real quick, I want to say something to a couple groups, all right? First, I want to say something to all of you who are 45 years old and older. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? 45 and older. Look up here. Many of you have grown weary and you've lost heart. And the reason is because you have fixed your eyes on a political system. You have fixed your eyes on a political leader. You have fixed your eyes on the good old days. You fixed your eyes on the economy. And you are, you are growing weary and you need to knock it off. And I'll tell you why. Because you are scaring the children. You are. Now look up here, look, look. The generation that's coming along behind us are gonna take their cue from us. And here's the cue we're giving them. Oh my goodness, if we don't get the right person in the, in the, you know, elected in office, it's the end of the world. If we don't fix the economy, it's the end of the world. If we don't have religious freedom like my mama and my grandmama had religious freedom, it's the end of the world. Oh my goodness, if we don't get the right laws passed, if we don't have the right policies, it's all coming unraveled. Nothing could be further from the truth. Look up here. Government and government matters, policies matter, but neither of those matter as much as men and women who understand this word. Faith, confidence that God keeps his promises and that nothing can thwart the plans of God. We know this from the Old Testament. We know this from the New Testament. We know this because the most powerful person in Judea, Pilate, looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? Crucify him, game over, it's done, let's move on. And the only reason you know who Pilate is, the only reason you know who Pilate is, is because you know the story of Jesus. Pilate, the governor, becomes a footnote in the story of Jesus. In fact, most of the first century people you know about, you know about because they're part of the story of Jesus. We have nothing to fear. So all of you people over 45, knock it off. You need to model for the next generation that God is in control. God can be trusted. Get involved in the political system. Get involved in culture. Get involved in your society. But you never fix your eyes there. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, for those of you who are under 45, especially if you're 20 and 30, look up here. Do not grow weary and lose heart. Do not grow weary and lose heart. And don't fix your eyes on social media and don't fix your eyes on Washington, D.C. and don't fix your eyes on my generation. Look up here. Do not grow weary and do not lose heart because once upon a time, a group of people your 
age embraced a resurrected Savior and embraced the teaching of a resurrected Savior, and a group of people from your generation that were your age changed the world. And they did it through faith, and they did it through the behavior connected to faith. Did you like that? I thought that, well, some, some people did. Uh, I, I thought that was amazing. And the thing that I loved at the end when he said this, once upon a time, a group of people your age changed their world. Come on, seriously. Once upon a time, a group of people your age, talking to younger people, changed their world. And my job is I teach in a Bible college, and the area that I teach in is around New Testament. So when I heard that, I thought about it and thought, yeah, if there was any group of people who should have given up hope, lost vision, hunkered down, pulled back, it would be the early church. I mean, seriously, they, they were a, a little illegal sect in this little occupied country at the end of the world living under incredible oppression. Their leaders had been killed, and yet somehow they dreamed that they could change their world. They, and that's why you go, spirit is a vision. It wasn't, let's sit down and have a strategy. They saw something in God. They, a spirit grabbed them. They got caught up in something, and they went, uh, we have seen that this is going to spread through every tribe and tongue and nation and spread right around the world. We have seen that one day this empire is going to fall. I mean, they lived in an empire controlled by just brute military force. We know about crucifixions, nailing people to bits of wood. They would also string them up and cover them in tar and set them on fire just to light the way to the emperor's parties. I mean, total megalomaniac world rulers who thought they were God and you had to put incense offerings to them. And yet this small little group had seen the vision as a spirit. They had seen one day this empire is going to fall. One day this movement is going to reach every nation. One day every knee is going to bow to Jesus Christ. And you just go, oh my goodness, what incredible power of vision. And, and, and within a generation, it was said of them, these are the people who are turning the world upside down. Within 300 years, the Roman Empire had become Christian. Like they actually did it. And, and so when I feel my world shrinking in, i got to go, man, there's something about the spirit of vision that, I, that I've got to catch again. And, and, and for another generation that rises up out of a quipper's Dunedin that goes, we've caught something, we believe we can change our world. Um, and, who, and Connor, who are you not to dream that? Uh, and so the question for me is, so what was so different about the early church? That they, that they believed that, that they, they caught of it. And that's where I kind of disagree a bit with Andy Stanley because he said they embraced the teaching of a risen Christ and, and, you know, and, they, and they believed they could do it. And it's like, uh, not quite. Because you know what? Because when I read the Bible, Jesus came and he taught about this kingdom of God. He taught about it was going to turn the world upside down. He taught about opposite values. He, he discipled them. He trained them. He taught them how to heal the sick, cast out demons. He, he, he sowed this vision. Then he died and rose again. And then he gave them the great commission. You're going to go and reach all the nations. And they're like, yeah, we got it. And he went, no, 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 you got to wait. You got to stay here. You're not ready yet. And, and they're like, what, why? And he, and, and he says this, to paraphrase, he said, I got to put a bomb under this thing. I got I to put a bomb. I'm going to explode this thing. With a, with a supernatural power that will propel this thing out to be a world-changing movement. And you go, well, where did he say that? Well, if we flick up Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says this, 
you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The word power is the word dunamos in Greek. It's later on was the word used for dynamite. It's like, I'm going to put a bomb under this thing. I'm going to inject a supernatural force into this thing that is going to propel you out. I uh, spoke at the um, uh, Equipers uh, Youth Summer Revolution camp over, over summer, surprisingly, and, um, and I felt God say to, to, to tell me to speak to them and say, God wants to put a bomb under the youth. And it was all like awkward, quiet. What does he mean? And, and, it, and it's this, God, God, wants to, God wants to inject a force into this thing. He wants to set a bomb off that propels this thing out with such power, with, uh, with such energy, with such vision. And, 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 and there it is there. But the thing that I said to the youth, do you know what? God wants to put a bomb under this thing, but it's not about the bomb. It's about the wave that's generated. See, when, like if you throw a stone into a pond, it generates ripples. Anytime you inject a force into any mass or media, it's not, it's not the injection of the force, it's the ripples, it's the waves that are generated. And, and the focus of this verse is not the bomb going off, it's the wave that spreads out. And you go, well, where's that? Well, it's in the second half of the verse. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And those are not random uh, statements or places. Those are kind of concentric circles of influence. This small group of people are meeting in this upper room praying, and God goes, I'm going to set this bomb off. And, and this group, suddenly they're just going to go bang out, and they're going to fill the city of Jerusalem, and you're going to transform the city, and then it's going to go bang out and fill the whole province. And then there's this major cultural barrier into the Samaritans, and the wave is so powerful, it's just going to break through that wall and spread out to the next cultural group. And this is so powerful that this wave is going to keep going, breaking through every obstacle and barrier till it reaches the very end of the earth. I'm going to put such a bomb under this thing. It's going to generate a wave that changes the world. And you just go, oh my goodness, what, what an incredible vision. Um, it's, God wants to put a bomb under there, but it's not about the bomb, it's about the wave. Is it all right if we have a bit of fun for this morning? Because I want to show you some videos of bombs and waves and things. Is that all right? So, um, okay. So I'll move out of the way. So, because I want, I want you to get this picture of how the gospel is supposed to work, how Christianity is supposed to work. So I'm going to show you a, a video in a minute of a bomb going off. So you might want to kind of take some deep breaths or turn your hearing aids down or turn your pacemaker down or something. Cause, so there's no sound at the start. But then it's not because there's no sound, it's because the camera is a long way away and it takes a while for the sound wave to get there. But what, what I want you to do is I want you to see the bomb and the explosion, but then watch the wave. You'll see it move across the sand, and then just before the sound comes, you'll see a shadow come, and then you'll, you'll fear, hear it. Because I want you to get the dynamic. There's a bomb and there's a wave, okay? There's a bomb and there's a wave. There's a bomb and there's a wave. And, and God's strategy was I want to set off a bomb because I want to create a wave in the church. And so, okay, watch this. Did you like that? Oh, it's gone. Did you see? There's a bomb, 
and there's a wave. And it's like, don't get here on talk about the church often gets distracted by the phenomenon of the bomb going off, but think about the wave. Watch it again, and you watch, watch the wave goes out, and then just before, and then you'll see the shadow coming before the bang. So it's just because it's funny to watch. Hey, let's watch it again. It's not really a point. Watch here. Here it comes. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. That's a good one. Really need to get God's strategy was to generate a wave. I just I didn't talk about this morning, but so often the church has, we've been focused on the smoke and the phenomenon of the bomb, and we forgot it was all about the wave. And, and it hasn't generated a wave. Interesting, another phenomenon in nature of of a force being injected into a mass that generates a wave is with icebergs. Apparently, that's a thing that every so often a bit of the iceberg falls off into the water and it generates this wave. For some reason, they call it iceberg calving, as if it's a cow giving birth to a calf. I don't know why, but that's what, it's, that's what they call it. So I want to show you, show you a video of an iceberg calving. And again, there's a sudden, a sudden injection of force, but you watch the wave that comes. Thanks, guys. Hopefully you're not feeling seasick wow. riding the waves. See, a sudden injection of a force that generates a wave. Just because I like these so much, I'll go sh show you another one. Slightly more dramatic, okay, of, a, of, another, of another injection of a force that generates a wave. Watch this one. That whole front is going to go at some point. Again. 
Awesome. Whenever you inject a powerful force into a medium, you generate a wave. One more. Now, let me warn you, no one dies in this next one, okay? That might give you a hint of how powerful it is, but have a watch of this. There were people who were right up there under the glacier, much too close to it. Before the mountain of ice fell, we noticed that a very large piece had broken off. That's when we started feeling the danger in the air. Then, before anyone can react... In just a few seconds, the entire mountain of ice fell into the water, and those people were swept away by a giant wave. Plunged into the torrent, the onlookers are pounded against the rocks. A dozen are injured, but miraculously, no one is killed. Okay, thanks guys. God wants to set a bomb. It's not about the bomb, it's about the wave. If there's not a wave, something's gone wrong with the bomb. Too often in New Zealand, the bomb has kind of got turned back in on ourselves. It was supposed to generate a wave that spread out and reached our town and reached our province and reached our nation and kept going till it reached the ends of the world. If you flick Acts 1 verse 8, it's some good news, okay? If you're a bit traumatized by all of that, there's a prayer team at the end that can pray for you. But, um, but <laughs> just to think, um, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Number one good news, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. So it's not just a, it's just not a raw power. He's a person. So we cooperate with a person. Number two, he's gentle and he's very nice. So yeah, the images of the spirit are about water and fire and wind. But another image is also the dove. You know, and, and we invite him to come and catch us up in the wave. And the third thing about the wave is that it's life-giving, it's not destructive. If you read uh, Ezekiel, he saw this river coming out of the temple. Everywhere it went, it produced life. This is not a wave that pummels. This is a wave that carries us out and it brings life into our families, life into our classrooms, life into our workplaces, life all around the city and to the surrounding towns, around this nation, the nations of the world. We find ourselves riding a wave that's life-giving. How cool is that? But the thing that I want to talk about is, this is supposed to be a message on vision. Why are we talking about bombs and waves? Because I want to show you that the essence of the wave is a spirit of vision. We find ourselves caught up in this thing where we're just seeing the stuff that we know is out there in front of us for our lives and our families and our community. Where do you see that? If you flick up Acts 2, is the uh, verse 1. This is the story of the bomb going off. Suddenly, on the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, that's bomb language, right? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that's bang, came from heaven, filled the whole house, saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated, came to rest on each of them. Flick up the next one. And all of them were filled with the Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Like, there's the bomb going off, like wind and fire and speaking in tongues and all kinds of stuff spilling out into the streets. And everyone's like, man, what was that that just went off? 
And the thing that I love is if you flick up down in verse 16, Peter stands up and he, and he a, a, a revelation from God, he discerns, he's like, no, 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 I know what this is. I know what this is about. It's not about the smoke and the smells and the lights and the flash. I know what this is about. And, and, he, and he quotes from uh, the prophet Joel and he says this, and in the last day, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Notice, notice, here's the way. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Next one. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit on those days. And they will prophesy. Because I know what this is. Don't get distracted by the noise of the bomb going off. This is now a wave of dream and vision and prophecy that you're going to begin to see things. You're going to dream things. You're going to be declaring things because this is a wave of what God is unleashing throughout the world and you're going to find yourself caught up in believing for stuff that you that defies the logic of the facts but you've seen it in God and it's like that first one of the iceberg when the wave comes and the boat just lifts and they see beyond and I want to tell you that when the bomb goes off of the power of God touching, you're going to find yourself caught up and just dreaming dreams. And what about if my kid's school just got turned around and, and it was a place of joy in life? What, what about if the city, the, the high schools, the young people were no longer kind of lost and dark, but they found life and hope and purpose? What about if Equipers churches were all around Otago, planted in every community? What about if this place was packed every day? Like, I could see it. What about if we saw Equipers churches planted all around the world? I can see it. And I, and I find myself caught up in dreams and visions and prophecies. And it's like, there's the essence of the wave. That's, that vision is a spirit. It's not a management technique. And, and more than that, vision and dream and prophecy is at the core of this Christian movement. And that's why I think Andy Stanley was so strong, like, knock it off. Because when you buy into that other thing, it's an opposite spirit to the spirit of Christianity. Because Jesus came to set a bomb off to generate a wave of vision and dream and prophecy. And if we, when we buy into despair, we, we kill the wave. And it's a lie of the enemy to try and stop you dreaming dreams and seeing visions and declaring prophetically what God is going to do in this place and in this city and in this land. And it's like Andy Stanley, like, knock it off. Don't buy into that because we believe in something greater. So I, I just want to talk briefly about uh, some, a couple of dynamics of how does vision work in our life. And... Um, because uh, it's a spirit, it, 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 it's not a strategy. Uh, I spoke at, a, at our um, young adults, we had a young adults camp in Auckland uh, the start of the year, and I, uh, I was asked to do a session there, and I just felt God say to me, this is going to be a moment. I'm going to unpack that a lot more tonight around young adults and young adults ministry. So if you know some students, young adults, bring them along tonight. But just, uh, just go into a little bit this thing, this sense like to go and talk to these young people and go, this is a moment. And um, I felt like thinking, well, I think that refers to the fact that in the Bible there's two different words for time. So in Greek, there's two words for time. There's chronos is just the flow of time, like old man river just cruises along, life goes by and we just ride it along, steady. But the other word for time in Greek is kairos, which is about moments. It says this, uh, 
Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment, the supreme moment. While chronos refers to chronological or sequential time, kairos signifies a period or season, a moment of indeterminate time in which an event of significance happens. And it's like, it's like two ways of seeing life. Life just flows steadily, or life is marked by moments. And, and when, I, you know, when you read the Old Testament, Genesis, when they're nomadic, you read things like this, and Abraham journeyed from this place to this place, and there he built an altar. And then Abraham journeyed from this place to this place, and there he built an altar. And Abraham journeyed from this place to this place, and there he built an altar. And life is not marked so much by steady progress as by periods of stability marked by altar moments. I don't know, I don't know if I think my life is marked. An altar moment is an encounter with God when often a vision is painted of the future and there's a response of commitment. Yeah, I give my life to that. And, you know, and when I look back at my life, I've been a Christian over 40 years, but I think, man, yeah, there's probably like seven moments. There's moments. You know, there's a long gap in between. If you just hear people talk about their moments, you feel like people's lives live on this weird zone of constant supernatural encounters. But it's not. I mean, there's moments, and then there's periods of time when you live out that moment. And so for me, I just briefly, I just want to share some of my moments, not because they should be particularly interesting to you, but, but hopefully they provoke a thought about your moments. So for me, and I look back, my first moment, I don't even remember how old I was at primary school. I didn't grow up a Christian family, but got involved in this kids club, and they ran this camp one holidays, and I went along to the camp, and there was a preacher at the front, you know, explained the gospel, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you know, come up the front. I remember going back to my bunk, lying on my bunk, and kind of just talking to God and going, God, you know that I agree with everything that guy said, but you know there's no way I'm going up the front, eh? Like, are we, are we all good with that? And, and looking back now, I go, oh, that's the moment that I was born again. There was an encounter where a world was opened up to me. I got a vision of a new way of living with God, and there was a response. Yeah, God, I, I, I agree with this. Uh, and then, and then nothing happened for quite a few years. And then, but then, uh, as a 15-year-old, I went to this big youth camp. Again, that's what I believe in camps and conferences. They're often mo- they're not just emotion. They're moments. That moment, I'm still living out. You know, uh, 50 years later, uh, that moments count in God. Don't under, don't despise. Don't. Oh, it's just a mo- It's just emotion. No, it's not. They're moments. They're Kairos. That's how God works. Kairos moments. Uh, and, and so for me, as a 15-year-old, went to this big youth conference in Wellington, and guys speaking up the front, and not the call to become a Christian, but just the people like, you just want to give God your whole life, and He can use it for what He wants to do. I don't even know why, but I found myself standing up the front. And then I kind of straight away forgot about it. But here's, again, why I so know that they're important, because about six years later, I was just almost turning 21, just finishing an undergrad degree in Auckland, was enrolled in master's, going to go on and do a PhD. I had my life planned out, and God brought that moment as a 15-year-old back to me, and he said, you said that I could have your life. I was like, wow, yeah, I did. And I was like, okay, God, kind of, I got my plans the next 10 years. They're all kind of sorted. So, so if there's going to be a major change in direction, this summer is the obvious time to do it. It's, you know, God's kind of logical, like he doesn't do weird things. It's like, now's the time, hey God, if we're going to make a change of plan, now's the time to do it. So you got the summer to re- redirect, otherwise I got the next 10 years sorted. I went home, 
And um, I went to this help as a volunteer in our high school camp. And went along, I was sitting on the front row one night, the guy leading the camp comes bounding off the stage, running out to sort something out. As he runs past me, he says, oh, you should come and work for us. I was like, I think that's my moment. I think that's God. And, you know, and a few weeks later, I was, uh, grew up in New Plymouth and Taranaki and used to catch the bus back to university in Auckland. And there was a night that I was due to get on the bus the next day to go back to university. And I remember walking down the passageway in my mother's house down to what was my old bedroom and going, I'm not very good at this hearing from God business, but I'm going to walk into that room. And when I walk out, I have to know whether to get on the bus tomorrow or not. I don't particularly know what happened, but when I walked out of the room, I just knew that I was to stay. And again, 35 years later, I'm still pursuing that, outworking that moment of when God redirected my life. God's a God who works in moments. The next moment was um, probably five or six years later, newly married. My wife and I took this short-term missions trip led a discipleship team to the Philippines, to Manila, went to this rubbish dump where 10,000 people lived on this rubbish dump. We just spent 10 days there, but the last day we stood on top of this rubbish dump, just tears running down our faces and just like, God, I never realized you had to look at places like this. Like, this is terrible. That, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know God. And, and, it's, and we just stood there and we said, God, would you release us from what we're doing in New Zealand and let us come back? Because we just want to be involved here. And felt like that was a moment. God said, yep, go for it. So we came back. A few years later, again, uh, heard about mission in the southern Philippines. It was quite a conflicted place with Muslim separatists and stuff. Some missionaries got killed. And we're just like, man, we should just go there and take their place. So we packed up our three little kids and headed off to the southern Philippines for a few more years. That all sounds very dramatic. The next moment was not so dramatic because the next moment was my wife came to me and said, you know what? I've spent my 20s as a wife of a broke youth worker, as a missionary living in a slum, and a missionary living in the middle of a war. I just want to go back to New Zealand now. And, and I knew it was a God moment. And I knew it was a God. And I was like, I don't understand this, but we're going to pack up and we're going to go back. I thought this is not what I thought was going to happen. So we returned to New Zealand. We went to Christchurch. I set up um, what's now Vision College in Christchurch, and then we passed it and so on. And then the earthquakes happened, and... And it was like, oh, God, is this why you brought us here, to be a voice in the middle of the earthquakes? And it's like, no, now it makes sense. And then just then, when everything was going really well, I had another moment four years ago when, again, Pastor Bruce Monk's just walking past me and he says, oh, I think you need to resign from your job. I think you've got too comfortable. Well, I, was, I was running Laidlaw College in Christchurch, old Bible College in New Zealand, um, involved in interchurch stuff. We had a four-generational house with my mum living with us, daughter and granddaughter. And suddenly it was like, it was like really? And, and then two days later, I was like, oh, bother, he's right, I'm bored. <laughs> and I hadn't even realized I was bored. And so there was another moment. It's like, I don't know. And everyone's like, why are you leaving? God's opened all these doors. I was like, I don't know, but I've, I've had a moment <laughs> with God. And he's telling me to resign and leave. And people are like, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I just know I have to resign. So for six, I had to hand and give six months notice because I was running a Bible college. And then three weeks before the end, Pastor Sam Monk rings me and goes, oh, the principal of Equippers College is moving on to something else. Would you come and do that? And I was like, there it is. There's the next moment. So we 
Put my mum in a rest home, got our daughter and granddaughter settled, sold up, moved to Auckland. Little did I know that right at that moment, Equippers would be starting links in a college with Denmark and stuff in Ghana and India and Calcutta and the whole mission stuff uh, suddenly opened up again. But that sounds all but there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of years in between those moments. But you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that I noticed in my own life in those years in Christchurch, I would find myself saying things that used to carry so much passion, and even to myself, they sounded hollow and empty and tired. And it's like, I need another moment. I need another moment. One of the things that's really grabbed me with this um, going to Auckland is a vision that Pastor Bruce has had from Isaiah 49, if you can flick that up. Um, It says, um, listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He spoke in my name. Next one. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me this. He made me like a polished arrow. And Pastor Bruce Monk has just seen arrows being fired out from equippers all around this nation and all around the world. And uh, to be honest, that's what gets me up in the morning. This fire inside to see equipping a whole lot of arrows to be fired out and make a difference all around the world. And suddenly what sound was sounding a bit tired and empty a few years ago just burns with passion. And that's why the series, Who You Are When No One's Looking, Pastor Sam Monk doesn't have to ring me up. You're going to get out of bed in the morning and come to work? No, no, because this vision burns inside of arrows being deployed all around the world. And it's like, that's why vision is a topic in the series, and that's why you've got to get vision as a spirit, and that's why you've got to get vision as at the heart of this Christian movement. It's about a wave that's being generated that's going to touch the world. I just want to share one more thought about vision before we kind of wind it up a bit. Uh, if you flick up this other, um, the psalm, 100, 100 and, that's the one. 19. This is a, a little verse, and Pastor Bruce Monk talked about this a few years ago, and I was like, man, I wish I knew this 30 years ago. And, and he just, he, this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And he says, you know, God often works in two ways. He shines this little spotlight way out in the future that gives you a little glimpse of something. And you go, yeah, that's where I want to head. Uh, but then he gives you a lamp, the old oil lamps, you can't point them anywhere. They just shine at your feet. And it's like, I've seen something way out there, but now he just illuminates the next step. And it's usually not in a straight line. It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta follow this. And it's like, I know that's where I'm headed eventually, but we seem to be going in a very convoluted path to get there. And, and, and here's the thing I want you to get. Vision is, it's never linear. It never happens as quickly as you think. And it's always marked by moments of disappointment. But it's a spirit. And, and if you understand this, it doesn't die then. So for me, uh, in my early 20s, uh, and this is important for some of you to talk about a bit more tonight. One day I just had, I was praying and I just had this picture of Jesus picking me up as like a toddler and looking into the future and going, what do you want to do with your life? Being a good Christian, I was like, whatever you want me to do, God. And as soon as I said it, I knew it was the wrong answer. He actually wanted me to name, what do you want to do with your life? And I spent about a year wrestling with it. And then I saw this other, got this little picture. Even that sounds a bit dramatic. I just saw myself in this, like the seminar room with uh, maybe 10, 15 uh, third world Christian leaders. And I was just kind of doing some teaching and training. This was like a 23-year-old. And I was like, 
that's what I want to do with my life. You know what? 30 years later, I haven't stood in that room yet. But, but it's like that's been the guiding thing. And it's only the last few years I can see all the threads coming together. Because it was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's where we're going. And then it was, okay, my lamb. Okay, go to Manila, live in the slum. Yeah, that, we're moving there. Okay, go to the southern Philippines and live in a Muslim people group. Okay, we get it. But then it was like, okay, now go back to New Zealand. It's like, no, I th- we're supposed to be going there. Why are we coming back here for? This isn't what I thought. But it's like I had a moment. This is I don't understand God. I can't see how it all fits together. But I know where I'm going, and I know this is the next step. And I just got to be obedient to the next step. And then it was like, oh, okay, set up this college, lead a church, be part of a, a citywide thing in a moment of crisis. And then it's like I can see how this is all building something. And then it was like. Okay, and just at the moment when it was all feeling like it's coming together, like walk away from it all and go to this little college in Auckland. And it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand that either, God. Like, what are you doing? And I I just, I I don't, I'm not, I feel this tenderness because it's not because I'm upset about it, but I, I felt it in the start of this. There's a tenderness around God. The process of how God works with us is often, unless you understand some of the stuff, you get confused, you get hurt, you get disappointed. And part of it is like, I've seen something in God. I don't know how it's all going to work, but God, I'm trusting you. For us, it was like, we brought my mother down from the North Island. Like, we're just going to put her in a, I don't know if we're going to put her in a rest time. Our daughter, some of you heard the story she got pregnant at 18 we said we'll be there for you keep the baby we'll look after it and then we said sorry dear we're going to Auckland she was so angry with us we're like we just this is God we just know we have to running a big college go to a smaller college I don't understand and then suddenly suddenly oh Equippers is starting this partnership with Denmark I'm off there in two weeks Equippers is starting in Ghana Equippers in Calcutta it's like, oh my goodness. I haven't got to that little seminar room, which I think is around North India, Afghanistan yet, but but it's start I'm fifty-four, it's starting to come together. I've been doing this thirty years. I've been a Christian forty years and I, I still haven't stepped into that place where he shone a light. But I'm just responsible to take the next step with the lamp. Come on, vision. You don't want to be like where I was, where you're saying the words, and even to you, they sound hollow. It's like, God, how about we stand? I feel like there's just such a tender presence of God. Because it's like, if I'm, not, if I'm not riding a wave of vision, what is this thing? It's just boring rules and religion. This is a wave of vision. This is a wave of what God's doing. And you and He has a place for you in this wave that's going to touch the world. And it's like, I, and even now, maybe you just want to close your eyes, raise a hand or two, how you engage with God. But it's like, God, God, catch me up on the wave again. God, what's the vision? Maybe for you, it's like, I just, I see my, my family at church with me, worshiping Jesus. Maybe it's like I see, I see a group of kids who just know that they're loved 
I see young women who, who feel safe and feel dignity. I see churches planted. I see businesses opening up that honor God and, and just grab. I don't know. I don't know what it is because it's a Holy Spirit thing. It's not a management tool. It's a spirit. And do you know what? Because He loves you so much and treasures you. He wants you to carry vision. You carry a vision. Come on, if you've lost it, He wants to replace it. Come on, if you're bored and stale, He wants it to come alive again. I'm going to sing this song in a minute. You're a good, good father. I've talked about bombs and waves and stuff. But it's a good Father who sends the dove of the Spirit. And the thing, you know, the thing that I love, the vision, the dream will be the very thing that satisfies the depths of your heart. The thing that He created you for, how He wired you to live. He's got a dream for you that will satisfy that. I can't, for me, I can't think of anything more satisfying than standing in a group of third world Christian leaders and talking to them about Jesus. But you'll have a dream. God's wired you for something. Come on, let's sing this good, good Father. Let God replace a dream. Let Him catch you up in a wave again. Come on, let's sing this out. And, and, and I encourage, open your heart to God. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.